And everyone said amen, right? Thank you, Psalm 1 kids. And also thank you, Hannah, for that incredible testimony today. We're grateful to hear it. Well, y'all know that our theme for Missions Month is religion. Why does it matter? And we have continued this conversation throughout the month of November, and we'll have one more Sunday next Sunday to bring it to a completion. And y'all know that when we have our conversations here on Sunday morning, then we have a deeper conversation on Monday on our Tell Me More podcast. And if you haven't found that podcast, I would encourage you to do it so you can learn more about what we're discussing here on Sunday mornings and uh, just give you a little more background to what uh, is at least on my mind and Katie and Luke and sometimes other guests join us. So with that said, let's continue our conversation today. I've entitled this message, Sacred Servants, Sacred Shepherds. The text is found in John 21. Interesting page in our Bibles uh, because if you look back at John 20, um, verses 30 and 31, that feels like the end of the gospel story. And then there's a whole other chapter, a whole other page. And so, as you might imagine, scholars have spent years debating, trying to determine why this one extra page. Well, I think there are a number of reasons for it, and we'll find out one of those today. So if you look with me at John 21, we're going to begin in verse 15. You know, it's our custom to stand, honor the Lord Jesus when we read the gospel. So I invite you to stand with me as we hear a reading from the gospel. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he wouldn't die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. <laughs> Thank you. You may be seated. I love this page in our Bibles. Um, it's a fascinating one. And, uh, you know, it begins with the disciples going fishing, and they had this miraculous catch of fish. That's where the story begins. We're actually going to look at that next Sunday. But the text that we have before us today, there's just so much in it. There, uh, for a, a preacher, um, there are just so many ways to go with this text. There, there are so many facets to it. There's so many different things we could talk about. We could talk about Jesus and who he is. We could talk about Simon Peter and who Simon Peter was. We could talk about consequences of behavior because Simon Peter had denied Jesus. We could talk about restoration and how Jesus models that for us. We could talk about the role of the church and what is 
the Lord trying to teach us here? What is it that he wants the church to understand and do? We could talk about shepherds and how shepherds function in the life of a church. Um, they're just... There's a lot of things that we could cover. So much to say and so little time, right? That's just how it is every week. Um, and so what I'm going to try to do is just do all of that. Because it's just all there, okay? It's just, it's just all mixed together. And it's hard to undo, if you will. So let me just sum up where we've been in November. We started with sacred beliefs. We, our understanding is, in religion, sacred beliefs then will lead to sacred lives. We believe that about Christianity. Then we talked about how sacred lives lead to sacred servants. Well, today, I want us to think about how sacred servants can lead to sacred shepherds. So I really, I want us just to think about the whole role of shepherding in the life of a congregation. Because to me, that's what's modeled here. And I believe it's one of the reasons we have John 21 is because Jesus is trying to teach us some valuable lessons about the church and its role in society. On the one hand, there's an evangelistic role. That's the story of the miraculous catch. That's next Sunday. On the other hand, there's a role about how you care for people and what the church is going to do, and Jesus models that for us. Now, so when you look at this particular story, Jesus has appeared to these disciples on the um, the banks, if you will, of the Sea of Galilee. And he has a small fire. He has, the Bible says, he has coals burning. And he invites these disciples to come and share a meal after they've caught all these fish. And there's some powerful imagery. There's fishing. Well, Simon Peter was a fisherman, along with James and John and Andrew. Um, that was his vocation. That was his life. There are the warm coals. When's the last time we saw Peter warming himself by fire in this gospel? Y'all remember? It's when he denied Jesus, right, in John 18. And now we've got Jesus and warm coals for Peter to uh, now warm his hands by and eat these fish. And so what's going to happen to Peter? Is he going to live with just the reality of his denial? Is he going to live the rest of his life desperate, trying to make do for what he had done? Is, is he going to fall into despair because of what he had done is, is he going to just fully desert? And that's an option to just, not just deny that he knew Jesus, but deny him for the rest of his life. Well, it's a fascinating time. Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. He's now getting ready to prepare his disciples to lead the church. And here's Simon Peter, the leader of the group. Let me just pause and ask you this. Can you imagine trying to lead Simon Peter? I mean, seriously. Boisterous, opinionated, strong, powerful. And so here he is. And everybody on this fishing expedition knew the humiliation of Simon Peter, right? And they knew what he had done. He had failed Jesus three times. And so here we are. There's this miraculous catch, like I said, we'll talk to, talk about next time. And Jesus finally, in front of all these disciples, he looks at Simon Peter and he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter says, well, 
yes, Lord, I, I, I love you. And then he says, well, then if you, if you really love me, he says, here's my question. The first one is, do you love me more than these? And that's an interesting question. We're not even sure what he meant. Who are the these? Is he talking about all the fish? I mean, do you love me better than fishing? Or is he talking about the disciples? Do you love me more than you love them? Or is he saying, do you love me more than they love me? Because that's what you've said in the past, right? Hasn't he said that? You know, Jesus, I don't, I don't know what these guys are going to do. I'm going to tell you right now. And can y'all see Peter saying that? I don't know about them, <laughs> but I'm going to tell you about me. Now Jesus says, so do you, do you love me more than these? So I don't know if he's talking about fishing, if he's talking about his love for them, or if he's supposed to love them more. Maybe it's all of it. <laughs> and so Jesus says, do you, do you really love me, Simon? And, and what does Simon Peter say? Well, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said, well, then feed my lambs. Okay. And a little bit of silence. And then Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you, do you love me? Well, yes, Lord, I, I love you. Well, then tend to my flock. And then a little silence. And then a third time, Simon, do you love me? And this time, Peter now is hurt, it says. He's grieved, the text says. Well, yes, Lord, you, you know everything. You know that I love you. And then Jesus says, well, then feed my sheep, he says. What a fascinating exchange. Now, if you were to read this in the Greek New Testament, I know many of you know this, there are different words for love in the Greek text. And John wrote this in Greek. But more than likely, Peter and Jesus spoke Aramaic, not Greek. There's only one word for love in Aramaic. And so I'm not really sure why John would use different words for love here. It, it seems to be just a literary technique. John is fond of using synonyms. He does that often in his, in his gospel. I'm not really sure. But there's something powerful going on here, y'all. There's something happening right in front of us. It's the restoration of Simon Peter. How many times did he deny Jesus? Three times. And how many times did Jesus ask him, do you really love me? Three times. Maybe Peter's grief was somehow tied into the fact around the number three. <laughs> because he knew what he had done. And he's being reminded of it. But the point is, Jesus in front of everyone is tending and he's showing Simon Peter how to shepherd, how to tend, because Jesus is the good shepherd. Well, as I've read this text and I've thought about the church, not just our church, any church, I would tell you that when you become a leader in the church on any level, so I'm talking to all of y'all, as you take any position of responsibility in the church, you have a responsibility in the role of shepherding the people of God. We all share it. Now, I am your shepherd. I'm your pastor. And so I have the responsibility of tending to this entire flock. That's a part of my job. I'm your pastor. But you're in it with me. Our staff, you as leaders, if you take any role, whatever it is, and you're responsible for something in the church, then you are participating in shepherding this congregation. And so when Jesus talked about that, that was very familiar to his era. Jesus talked about a shepherd. Well, everybody knew what a shepherd did. They just 
It was part of their life. Um, we don't hang around with shepherds much. I've only known one or two in my whole life. And so we don't, don't really think about it as much. And when you think about how to lead a church, it's, it's rare that those conversations talk about shepherding. But actually, that's all of our responsibility. So as I was thinking about that, I've thought about when we get to the mission field, we plant churches. Well, what do we want to happen in those churches? Well, we want the same thing to happen in those churches that we want to happen in our own church. We want the people of God to be shepherded. We want them to be tended to. Now, here's what I've learned about shepherding. The people of God in the scripture are never referred to as cattle. They never are. Now, you Texans, y'all are much more familiar with cattle, right? You drive cattle. You don't drive sheep. You lead and tend and shepherd. As a matter of fact, I mean, sometimes people ask me about something about Texas history, and I'm ignorant of it. And they'll look at me and go, didn't you study Texas history in elementary school? And I love Texans. I'll go, no, actually, I studied Alabama history in elementary school. And here's the typical Texas response. Huh. <laughs> or the little follow-up smart aleck comment. Well, I'm sure that didn't take long. So I, I get it. I get it. <clears throat> okay, I'm good. But I'm told that there was a time in Texas when shepherds and cattlemen couldn't get along with each other. That's what I'm told. Wonder why that is. Well, they're just different. Shepherds, very familiar in Jesus' day, not, not very familiar in our day. And so I've thought a lot about it. I've been doing it now for 40 years. And I've watched, and I've been paying attention, and I myself have been tended to. And so can I just point out a couple things real quickly about shepherds? And I want you to think about your role in the life of the church. I would say this. Let's start with the word heart. Shepherds connect with their hearts. That's just what shepherds do. Shepherds love. Do you know that God's people need to be loved? Period. Jesus asks Simon Peter, do you, um, do you think you're going to be a good leader? Do you think you have good organizational skills? Do you think you're going to be a really good teacher? Have you had homiletics yet? Did you take Joel Gregory for preaching one at Truett Seminary? Or did you have Wiles for preaching two? How did it go for you? What did Jesus ask Peter? You love me? You see, shepherds begin by being in love with Jesus. That's where it starts. And there's something about being in love with Jesus, y'all. If you haven't done it, I don't, I don't know how to explain it to you. I'd encourage you to try it. Because what happens is love grows in the heart of a shepherd. And God's people need to be loved. In fact, I would say love is at the heart of the church. Any church. Jesus told the disciples in John 13, love one another. And by this, everybody know, will know you're my disciples. You love one another. So as you grow and mature in the church as a leader... I want to encourage you, love, love deeply, love well, because the people you're shepherding, at the end of the day, they need to be loved, and they 
particularly need to be loved by those who shepherd them. But it's more than that. Shepherds also have to use their heads. Shepherds tend with their minds. Jesus knew he had to guide Simon Peter to something better. What if Jesus had just left Simon Peter alone? Just kind of left him where he was? What if we didn't have John 21? I would contend things would be really different. Shepherds understand the value of tending to people. And they have to be creative sometimes. They have to use their minds. Shepherds know the power of restoration. It's important to the people of God. But shepherds deal in truth and forgiveness and grace. It's powerful. You know, when you're shepherding God's people, I'm going to tell you right now, it takes time and energy. It's not for the faint of heart. Leading and guiding God's people, you do it with integrity. You do it with ingenuity. You do it with your mind because you have to be intellectually connected as well. The people of God need sound doctrine. They need thoughtful leadership. They need instruction. They need inspiration. You need to reach the whole person, true? Shepherds know that. We've got to tend to people with our minds. But I would also say, finally, shepherds protect with their hands. You know, at the end of the day, don't mess with the sheep because you're gonna have to deal with the shepherd. And you know what shepherds will do? They'll step in front of sheep, won't they? It can be a lion, a bear. Hadn't we read about it? Just pick something. A wolf. Shepherds are just gonna, they're just gonna intervene because they believe it's their role. And I would say all of us have that responsibility. The church is to be protected. We're supposed to believe in it. You know, um, Paul was getting ready to go to Jerusalem and he was speaking to the leaders in the church at Ephesus. And let me read to you what Paul said to them. He said, I'm leaving you. I'm probably never going to see you again. He said this. He said this to the shepherds. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Be shepherds, he says. Pay attention. Peter, years after this, after this experience that Peter has with Jesus, Peter writes this in 1 Peter chapter 5. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that's under your care, watching over them. Not because you must, because you're willing as God wants you to. Don't pursue dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but be examples to the flock. So as shepherds, one of the things we do is we protect the people of God. We protect the church because it matters. Jesus died for it. And Jesus is going to call Peter to do it, isn't he? Do you love me? Yes. Be a shepherd. Well, do you love me? Yes. Be a shepherd. Do you love me? Well, yes, Lord. I love you. Then be a shepherd. What if Jesus hadn't done that? I would tell you all the book of Acts would read very differently if Jesus not restored Peter. But Jesus did restore Peter. And guess what? Peter became one of the most famous Christians of all time. And so when I read this story, y'all, I can't help myself. I think about me. <laughs> I think about you. I think about Jesus. I think about Peter. I think about shepherds. And every year we go to Rome, you can't help but think about Peter in Rome. Come on now. I'm just going to tell you right now, Simon Peter is everywhere in Rome. If you wonder how Simon Peter has fared in Rome, he has fared well. He's viewed highly by the Roman Catholic Church. One of my favorite churches in Rome is called San Pietro. 
in Vincoli, St. Peter in chains. Back in the early 400s, 430 or so, the Empress Eudoxia, she had a gift from her mother. It was the chains that chained Simon Peter when he was in jail in Jerusalem, when he was liberated by the angel. About 430 or so, she went to Rome and she gave them to the pastor of the church at Rome, Leo. Leo had the chains from where Simon Peter had been imprisoned in Rome in the Mamertine prison. And according to the story, he took those two sets of chains and he put them together. And when he did, they miraculously fused together. And they've been on display since AD 432. You can go see them for yourself. I took a photo of them when I was there in February. There they are. They're in a little shrine in the front of St. Peter in chains. Now you can go to St. Peter's Basilica in the heart of the Vatican in this massive dedicatory church to St. Peter. But I would contend this church right here is a better representation of who Simon Peter was in Rome. Simon Peter died in Rome as a prisoner. Jesus told him, one day you're going to stretch out your hands and you're going to go somewhere where you don't want to go. That's what's going to happen to you. Well, guess what? That happened to him in Rome. And Peter, even his death, he died trying to protect the church. And so I would say to me and you, be shepherds. Love these people. You know, we, we use the imagery all the time. One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 23. A lot of times I quote it when I'm going to sleep at night. It's just in my brain. And, you know, as a little kid, I memorized it in the old King James Version, so I can't help myself. You know, it's the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. That psalm has guided me, guided me as a parent, as I've tried to parent my children. It's guided me as a granddad, as I'm trying to be a grandfather to my children. It's guided me as a shepherd who's trying to guide you. Shepherds prepare, they get the pasture ready. Shepherds guide the sheep. Shepherds care for the sheep. Shepherds are present with the sheep. Shepherds know the sheep personally. You anointed my head with oil. Shepherds are hopeful. Shepherds are ministers of healing. Shepherds speak to the soul of people. Shepherd, shepherds provide food for them. Shepherds care about their health. Shepherds care about their knowledge. Shepherds care about them being healthy. Shepherds care about them being hopeful. That's Psalm 23. That's John 21. My model is Jesus. And I would say to you, as a church family, let's you and I, at the end of the day, do a good job as shepherds. May it be so. Let's pray together. Well, Father, today we, we're grateful for the church. We're grateful for this church. <laughs> and we thank you for the opportunity, responsibility for those of us who are in leadership here, Sunday school uh, teachers, committee leaders, mission volunteers, staff members, all of us. We're all in this together. Lord, help us to be good shepherds to each other and to this church. And we trust that as we do that, we'll see your restorative, powerful healing hand at work and people will be drawn to it. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.